HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good afternoon and welcome to What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insight with me, your host, Katie Kiefer. I'm on the line today with top chef Tom Colicchio. Tom is, of course, the award-winning chef behind Kraft, Witchcraft, Colicchio and & Sons, and River Park, to just name a few of his uh, restaurant ventures, and he, of course, is known best probably for uh, Mr. Top Chef. He is the Top Chef. And most recently, he was a very active voice in the stunning new documentary, A Place at the Table about hunger in America. Um, Tom, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Sure, Katie. Um, Now, Tom, I've known you actually for quite a while, and um, you have now evolved into not just an incredibly uh, famous chef on many levels, but an activist as well. So what happened? What what got you involved in doing, uh, you know, working on on issues around hunger and today's discussion, which will be antibiotics? Sure. Well, I I guess uh, on on some level, um, I've always been. Um, but was also very just happy just to um, sort of focus on fundraising for, for various issues that I'm involved with, whether it's um, uh, hunger or whether it's um, I'm on the board and, and very active in Children of Bellevue. It's a group that acts as advocates that are long-term and short-term in Bellevue Hospital. Right. Um, and um, so, you know, I, I guess I've always been, but it's been a little just sort of quieter and and. and um, thinking that 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 was enough, that just raising money for these various issues was enough, and I think on, on the hunger side of things, when my wife started working on a place at the table, um, we you know you start making a film, you really don't know where it's going to take you, and um, three years into it, we we sort of came away with the idea that that food is a a political condition and and can be solved with with politics, and so um, we can keep raising all the money in the world, and I think um, you know. Our industry has, has done a great job uh, raising money for various groups, whether it's uh, Share Our Strength or uh, uh, City America, Harvest, sure. City Harvest, mm-hmm. and the New York Food Bank, and and so. But you you then you know realize that even though these groups are doing amazing work, that it's still only putting a bandaid on on the on the problem, mm-hmm. um, and so. 
um, you realize that a more more direct involvement is probably what's what's necessary. And and then when you start taking that route, then you realize that there is a role that you can play. Um, to try to get politicians to sort of use your voice to get politicians to look at an, at an issue and then hopefully um, get them to, to, to buy into that and, and, and change the way they look at it. Well, do you think in the case of, of antibiotics in uh, livestock agriculture that you're going to be able to get the attention of politicians and, and uh, force them to look at this issue more closely? Well, you, 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 hope, you hope so. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, uh, Representative Louis Slaughter from, from New York is, mm-hmm. is, is trying to get a bill out there, and she's been having a you know a very difficult time getting any traction at all. Oh, totally. She has introduced that bill six or seven times yes, now. Sure, yeah. sure. And 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 so, uh, unfortunately, I think I think for this, it's going to take a, a major outbreak. Um, uh, that's people what scares dying. me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so besides having uh, Louise Slaughter uh, introduced, and oh, by the way, Henry Waxman also introduced a bill. I right. mean, there is some. Uh, there is some movement growing in Congress, but I, you know, it's so distressing to see how uh, tight a grip the pharmaceutical industry and the livestock industry have on uh, on politics in America. So, besides uh, dealing with these legislators, what other steps could be taken? Do you think? I mean, how do you think you can raise? We, all of us collectively, who are interested in this topic, can raise uh, awareness of this with consumers. Well, I think I think it's the constant, you know, the constant pressure. You're, mm-hmm. You know, Pew, Pew has done a great job to raise awareness, and you have mobs, you know, super mobs against super bugs, and there's super chefs against super bugs, and so these these kind of grassroots, uh, you know, sort of groups are starting up, and I think that's important. Um, I think on the restaurant side of it, we're about, I want to say about 95% antibiotic free in our restaurants in New York. That's great. And we started putting that on the menu, and right. to try to get people to ask, like, well, why is this important? Um, uh, I mean, for me, I, I can tell you how I, how I sort of became aware of it. it was a couple things happened at Please once. Um, George Stazen, um who's a, a, a great friend of mine, he's a yep. Bragg and Spiller now, he used to be a D'Artagnan, um, he started to really focus on it. Mm-hmm. And I was at a, um, a, a luncheon, and there was, he brought together various people in the industry to talk about it, and it really got my attention. And then soon after that, I had neck surgery. And two weeks after after surgery, I got a staph infection, Ooh. and spent another six six days in the hospital, and came home with uh, an IV bag for about a month and a half with Gee, a, a a pick line inserted into, into my chest, and yeah. and uh, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't pleasant. Yeah, that'll put the and, fear of God. And luckily, into. I didn't have MRSA. I was just going to say you couldn't have had MRSA because you're still talking. Right. Well, <laughs> you, could, you know, you, you yeah, and, and so. I, you know, I started, you know, looking at it, and I, it was interesting. Um, it was something that I was talking about, but it, what kind of thrust me, I guess, into the middle of it was I was on Morning Joe talking about hunger, mm-hmm. and Joe Scarborough just tossed out there what's the most dangerous thing right now in in in, in food, you know, uh, in sort of you know, processing or, or in the industry, and sure. I said antibiotics, yeah. and when I threw it out there. I, I didn't get much from him at the table, but as soon as we were finished, and, and various people, I guess, who were watching it, sort of took up what I was saying and, and, and sort of asked me to urge me to get more involved. But when we were, we were done, he turned to me and said, "My dad died of MRSA." Wow! And um, and and he got very interested, and, and right. I, you know, obviously, you know, I think that if you look at all these various issues, and I know we're we're we're, we're, we're 
we're focusing specifically on on antibiotic and overuse of antibiotics in the, in the food system uh, for this conversation. But I think in general, um, uh, if there is a food movement, and I, and I say if because you know, I'm trying to be pr- provocative here, um, it, it needs to encompass everything, mm-hmm. and we need to, we need to to look at whether it's hunger issues, whether it's organic farming issues, whether it's antibiotic issues, GMO labeling issues, um, local farming communities, um, you know, safety on farms, all these various things that encompass the food movement. They're, they're, they're very uh, sort of, I, I think there are various groups taking up individual causes. And at some point we all need to get together with it. But what we really need to do is create a voting block of people who will vote on food issues. Yes. Very similar to, you know, what, the NRA has done with Second Amendment issues, or other groups have done with reproductive issues, where people will actually look at this and actually vote on that particular food, and again, the big food issue. Right. And, and, and that's how I think you, 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 you get a, you know, political power and can change political will. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. But, uh, well, you know, we'll see. I mean, those are two very powerful lobbies that we're working against. And um, I'm going to, you know, read a little something that I wrote about this. Now, I, I do a lot of work around the meat industry. I'm really interested in it and uh, always have been. And that's one of the reasons why we know each other is because I've interviewed mm-hmm. you about steaks sure. um, <laughs> and a couple of other types of, you know, heritage meats and stuff. But the meat industry, I can tell you from reading everything that they put out in terms of their trade journals, they are in total denial. In fact, yesterday I listened to a... Um, a guy from Feedstuffs uh, who's been reporting on agricultural issues for 25 or 30 years, his whole career, and he went into a rant about – not a rant. He went into uh, a discussion of um, of how the, the science is really kind of not there about antibiotics uh, and antibiotic-resistant microbes being linked to overuse in agriculture. He also uh, disputed, as I've seen in many other uh, publications uh, that, that uh, cover the meat industry, they dispute any link between human and animal transmission, even though there are studies that are showing that MRSA for example, is being transferred from pork to humans. And, mm-hmm. and the thing that really strikes me about that, and I'll just uh, I'll shut up in a minute and let you talk, um, is that um, this level of denial is something that is very difficult to, um, to counteract. I mean, they will buy as many studies as they need, is my impression, um, of, you know, to say what they want to say. And it, it, is, it is rather difficult to pinpoint these links between overuse of antibiotics in livestock and what we're seeing now in terms of the rising uh, levels of um, um, new strains of E. coli, of Campylobacter, Salmonella, etc., that are all a- antibiotic resistant. So first, I want to ask you: Could you ask your wife, please, to make a documentary about this issue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately, these ag gag laws are really getting hard to get in no there. No kidding. Now. Yeah, I've done uh, a lot of coverage around that too. I mean, I, that's a very frightening thing, and I'm actually yeah. giving a talk to the Animal Agricultural Alliance Summit on activism in a couple weeks mm-hmm. about what a disastrous public relations move that is, if nothing right. else. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to bring up with you was, um, you know, in re- regarding all of this, when you were talking about uh, raising consumer awareness and what you can buy. I wanted to touch briefly on the whole idea of marketing and labeling as being one way to really sell this idea through. I was speaking with a guy who writes for Forbes um, in a previous show, and he was saying the way to make these people come to the table is to talk to their profits and not talk to them about what they should or shouldn't do. It's like, can you make more money by providing antibiotic-free meat? If the answer is yes, then that's what you should be selling. What do you think about working on that level instead of trying to force them through legislation? Do you think that that's something that restaurant chefs could get behind and, and help to um, lead the charge with? Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's fine. I, I think that, that restaurants can play a, a huge part in raising I the awareness. Too. 
But unfortunately, at the level that you have to pay for antibiotic-free meats, this is something that um, will only affect a small part of the population. So I think, I think on the chef side of things, um, I think, yeah, it's great to help raise the awareness, but I don't think um, it's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, the, the idea of speaking to people's purses, I, I get that. Um, right. And, and it's, 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 it is often very effective, um, but you have to increase demand for it. Yes. Because if demand's not there, you're, you're not going to get people switching over. Exactly. And so right. I think it creates demand. And, and I, again, I'll say this, as I said earlier, I think the demand will be created when, when there's an epidemic. <gasps> and, and that's what it's going to take. And I, I, I don't know. You know, when you have, yeah, you know, the, the CDC is testifying in front of Congress that, they, mm-hmm. that there is a definitive link between, uh, you know, non, you know routine uh, non-therapeutic uh, therapeutic use for antibiotics. Um, you have the American Medical Association uh, supporting that, that position. You have the uh, Academy of Pediatrics supporting that, that position. Um, so you have healthcare providers that, that, that understand this and are supporting that position. So, yeah, you can find people on the meat side of things that are going to go out there and, 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 and find all the studies in the world, but... I think you'll have plenty of people on the other side as well to support the fact that this is a problem. But again, I still believe that there will be, um, uh, you know, a major, a major outbreak. Um, you know, when you have um, the AMA and the, the um, I was a couple weeks ago came out and said that you know something as simple as a strep throat or, or scratch um, will start killing life- people. Yeah, could become life threatening. But yeah. Tom, can you stay on the line? We're going to play a very quick sponsor drop and come right back with Chef Tom Colicchio. Uh, who is joining me to talk today about antibiotics in our food system. You're listening to Leaving by Dead Stars on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. I've devoted my idiot career to the old ways, the old recipes, the old tools, the old geography of where serious foods come from for centuries. And I've strived to make these wonderful things available to New Yorkers for 37 years, so it's a fait accompli for us to support Heritage Radio Network. And I hope you will too, and I hope you'll keep tuning in. For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. We are back with Chef Tom Colicchio talking about antibiotics in our food system. This is Katie Kiefer from What Doesn't Kill You on the Heritage Radio Network. Tom, thanks again for joining me today. Um, I want to go back to what we were talking about before the break, which was the cost thing. And one of the things, I mean, obviously you're the right guy to ask about what is the bottom line in terms of you? You said that you have about 90% uh, antibiotic-free meat in your New York restaurants, implying that other restaurants elsewhere are not able to achieve that. But for somebody who's not as big a deal as you are, like how do they manage that? And how much pushback do you get from investors or partners in restaurants to try to go in that direction? Um, the actual expense, it's, it's hard to say. We, we just started working on this a couple months ago. Um, it definitely, you know, we had to pass along some of those prices to consumers, and, sure. and we can. And again, we actually... Uh, trained our staff to talk about some of these things, um, and um, uh, so yeah, there's there's a cost associated with the actual terms of dollars and cents. I'm not 100 percent sure mm-hmm. uh, just just yet. We still have a little more work to do before we can figure that one out. Um, um, so yeah, it 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 um, 
but as far as investors, they're, they're behind it because it's also part of our, our overall um, approach to, to food, uh, whether we're looking to support local farmers, whether we're, we're looking to, uh, to buy, um, you know, or, organic, organic vegetables, um, um, buy meat that's uh, humanely raised. And so once you start going down that route, you just kind of, you know, it, you start looking for other ways to, to sort of include a, a, a better and more just food system. Right. And so it's okay to, you know, get out there and talk about some of the stuff. And, and you've got to look at what you're doing, you know, at home. I, I, I have a hard time going, you know, up on the hill and lobbying people and saying this is what we're looking for. If they could point a finger at me and go, well, what are you doing in your restaurant? Yes, of course. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. so that was, that was part of it. But also, the more you start looking at, at, at our, our, again, our, our, the way we're producing food, and if you're, you're looking for that, that system that is more just, more equitable, and you're looking for food that's, that's healthier, you have to start looking at, 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 the, at the entire picture. And this, again, it, it, it was personal because I was affected by, by a, a, mm-hmm. a staph infection, um, but also, it just made sense by our, our mission and our message um, around food. And you can't pick and choose. Um, to me, it's, it's, it's either you're, 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 you're kind of all in yeah. um, it's just to stay above the fray. Um, and I think it's also you know, somewhat, uh, you know, it, it can hurt the industry and somewhat deceitful when people claim to um, be for this, this, this just a new food system, and yet they're not going all in. They're not going all in. Yeah, well, I think I mean you brought up the major point, which is that it's it's costly to go yeah. all in, and I think that, that that with the best intentions of the world, I mean, a lot of chefs still have to answer to somebody about it. Maybe not everybody, like in your group, they they're into it, and somebody else who's maybe in a mid level restaurant or a new restaurateur or doesn't have a lot of extra cash. I think it's really hard to go down that route in general. Never mind the expense of antibiotic free meat. Right, um, but, or, but you, you pointed out earlier there is you know I, I go into even. You know, I have a house out in Long Island on the North mm-hmm. Fork, and, and I go to my local, you know, shopping uh, food store, and they have antibiotic-free chicken. Yeah. Um, we picked it up yesterday for chicken soup. So it's, it's there. Um, people are buying it. There's a, there's a, if, if people weren't buying that, it wouldn't be there. Absolutely. And this isn't in, you know, this isn't in the Hamptons. This is in a, in a farming community in, in Mattituck, New York. Right. And people are, are, are buying it. People are interested in it. And so more and more people are going to ask for it. The more people ask for it, the price will start coming down. I think so, yeah. And, and, and so, again, this is part of, the ed- of educating people and, and uh, letting people know that there is an alternative. Um, and then, you know, I, I think that looking at why these 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 drugs are being used i mean uh in 2011 it was what almost 30 million pounds uh, yeah, it was 29.9 pounds of antibiotics that were sold for meat and poultry production yeah only 7.7 million were used for for humans tom you have got your numbers absolutely spot on dude <laughs> i tried <laughs> yeah you're very and good so, <laughs> and so um you know you have why and what we know it promotes growth, and we know that the animals couldn't survive um, in, in these CAFOs um, unless mm-hmm. they're pumped up with these antibiotics. That's correct. And, and so do you say to yourself, God, if we have to produce food like this, and we know it's affecting us, we know it's creating these superbugs, why do we keep doing this? Uh, well, because <laughs> it why makes do you money. Support it? Um, no, I think that, that uh, you know, first of all, I think the meat industry, um, they, you know, of course, fighting tooth and nail against this, and they'll say two things about this. This is what I've read. One is that you will... 
if you reduce antibiotic use, you know, uh, sort of daily antibiotic use in, in animals, um, you will promote disease and suffering, which is true, because they live in those confined area feeding operations. And the reason that we use confined area feeding operations is because, one, the animals grow to market weight faster, and two, it's much cheaper. And that's what Americans want. Americans want cheap meat. And that's the answer of the food industry. It's like, this is how we keep our costs down, is we feed them this very high, uh, you know, very low dose antibiotics to keep them disease free and to keep them growing faster so that we can feed them less, get them to market weight faster, and everybody makes more money, including the shopper. So it's really hard to sort of argue with that. And I think that... Um, no, no, I think, I think it's very easy to argue with that. Oh, I really? If, if it will, if How do you tell consumers you, they want it? I, well, <laughs> I mean, and also they don't they don't count in the the environmental costs of raising meat that way, which are well, quite right. significant. Yeah. So, so in fact, but it looks cheap to the average American consumer. When you can go to McDonald's or Applebee's or whatever it is and buy what you buy for you know a few few bucks, then that's a cheap meat supply to the average consumer who's uninformed about what yeah. The, well, you're not you're not seeing the real are. cost of it. And exactly. Then, and, and then when you when you when you factor in the amount that our tax dollars are subsidizing corn. Uh-huh. You know, that, that are feeding the animals. And so right. you're, you're not actually experiencing the real cost of food. No, you're both not. Both on an environmental level, on a human level, um, and, and I think also what's going to happen in, in terms of health care. Right. Um, and so uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a Faustian bargain. It, it's, it's, uh, uh, and it will, um, I, I think, eventually it will change when we start seeing um, that we cannot control these, these, these bugs anymore. Right. Well, I, I mean, we're already seeing that. And, and as I say, the industry is completely in denial. I mean, I interviewed a woman named Marin McKenna a few months ago who wrote all about this new strain of E. coli that causes urinary tract infections and yeah. is directly attributable to poultry to handling poultry. I mean, it's absolutely cut and dried, basically. The science is all there. And this is not, you know, it's just not really making it its way through the channels so that people absolutely understand what's going on here. It's really, really frustrating, actually. As somebody who's been covering this issue for almost three years, I'm only just now seeing a lot of newspaper, you know, mainstream coverage yeah. of this issue. It's yeah. like, who's paying who to keep their mouths shut about this? It's, it's quite well, upsetting. I, I think that somebody, you know, I, I was with uh, Mary Nussel a couple months back, and, mm-hmm. and she was talking about going on the Hill and, and lobbying, and she was talking about this food movement, and they turned around and said, what are you talking about? Yeah. She said, well, you know, food movement, you know, so she goes, no one's up here talking about it, so as long as no one's up here, there's right. no food movement. That's right. And, and so I, I think that, um, you, you know, these issues, it just takes time, and, and I, I, you look at GMO labeling. Yeah, I, I think that several states are probably going to have you know ballot initiatives, and they'll probably pass. I think I think it was it was easier for uh, these chemical companies um, uh, were able to pour a ton of money to defeat that in 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 California. Yes. But I think if you have more ballot initiatives in different states, I think as many as fourteen states. Um, actually, no, I think there's twenty six states actually mm-hmm. uh, may have initiatives. It can be very very difficult to start defeating that, and so you start getting traction. Yes, and then if start if, if, if certain states start to pass that, then you end up with a patchwork full of laws that that, that don't work anymore, and so then something has to happen on a more of a federal level. And so I think that you know with with antibiotics, it's just it's starting to get traction, and you see it happening. You know, a couple years back, three or four years ago, you never heard anything. Never, you know, very small, <laughs> and now it, it's starting to pick up a little traction. You're starting to hear you know a little bit of a rumbling, and I think it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. But I think that. You know, you got to keep keep the, keep the pressure on, um, and, and I I think debunk the science. Yeah. Uh, or, or prove the science on on your side of it. 
um, and and find the uh, the right amount of sort of activism, both from the scientific community, from the consumer community, from chefs, from other food activists, sort of everybody together. And I think once you once you have that that sort of uh, you know gr- you know group of people all talking about it, then you make some change. I I hope that's true. I mean, I I, I given that Congress was able to defeat. Uh, background checks, even despite ninety percent of the of the country supporting it, uh, you know it's obvious these guys aren't working for us anymore, right? Yeah, I think that's a little more complicated. Again, I think that the the NRA has managed to I get that kind so. of power, um, and they only have four million members. Yeah, um, but they have that kind of power because all four million vote, and they vote that single issue. Right, and that's what goes back to what I said originally. Um, where you need to create a voting block of people that are interested in food issues. And once you do that, then you have power. And power doesn't have to be in tons of numbers. It has to be just people who are willing to vote that single issue. Yeah, I agree and, with and, that. And that, I think, is, you know, will sort of get people's attention. Um, you know, you, you look at, you know, uh, I, I, don't th- I don't think we're over with, with, with the, the background checks. I think it's kind of ridiculous that, that um, you know, People didn't have the political will um, to to vote along with that, but we'll see what happens in in, in the you know in the, the fourteen elections. I yeah. think it could be I think it could be very a very effective wedge, and and uh, you know we'll see. And, and listen, these things. You look at immigration. Immigration may finally get passed. Why? Because it's been, it's clear that that immigration and and and, and immigrants and, and recent immigrants and also sons and daughters of immigrants will start voting. Yes. And can swing elections. And without them, you can't win on a national level. Yeah, that's right. And when you look at, 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 at red states starting to turn purple because of, of immigrants, Nevada, yeah. possibly Texas soon, yeah. um, you know, even Arizona soon, it's all starting, you know, it, Florida. Um, you know, so, again, I, I think that once it gets to that level, then I, I think politicians will, will sort of take notice. But only it has to rise to that level. Yeah, it does. And I, you know, I'm just, I'm, you know, with, with all of the uh, money and power behind pharmaceutical companies, never mind the meat industry, uh, it's, it's going to be a, a real slog, I got to say. But, you know, I hope that you're right. And I hope that, uh, um, that people start really paying attention to, you know, especially guys like you. And especially, are you going to be going up to Congress to testify about this yourself? Say if PAMTA comes up for a vote again? Oh, I, I, I will. Um, I'm going tomorrow and I'm, I'm meeting with uh, some people from Pew tomorrow. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm actually going up with uh, Michelle and Nishan and, and Wholesome Wave to, oh, I love to do Michelle. some work to support yeah. uh, Sherrod Brown's uh, uh, food farm jobs bill. Um, Fantastic. And uh, so we're, we're going there tomorrow. I'm meeting with some people from Purdue, and I think I'm meeting with Louise as well tomorrow. But, yes, if, if it comes up, I, I, I will. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I, I testified when the school uh you know, lunch reauthorization was up, and, and um, although I was scared to death doing it, I'm oh. a little more comfortable now. Um, <laughs> I and, saw you. Uh, you were I great. Think, <laughs> I think when you realize that, and, and to me, you know, it's not about celebrity. I'm not doing this because I'm a celebrity. I'm doing it because I have kids, and, sure. you know, I care. And, you know, this is open to anyone who, who, who wants to do this. You know, what's kind of neat when you go up to the Hill, you see all these coalitions of people that are there, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to make their voice heard, and and that's how, you know it's kind of what our government's about. It's, mm-hmm. You know, by, you know, for the people, by the people, for the people. And if the people aren't raising their voices, then 
you know, government would just kind of do what it, what it does. Absolutely. Well, and that's what's happened with food. I mean, you know, I, I love all the activism, but, you know, let's face it. We we asked the food industry to provide us with cheap food. They right. did. And and, and right. now, because it sucks, they're, we're mad at them. I mean, well, we it's got, like... We got what we asked for. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's yep. just like, wait a minute. You know, you got to work with these people. You can't expect them to stop everything they're doing. What about CAFOs, like, on the dime? I mean, it's got to be a transitional right. experience. Well, Tom, unfortunately, I have to wrap this up, even though you are the most interesting guest I possibly have ever had. No, that's not true. But but you are definitely way up there in the top one or two. Um, so why don't you give us a sense of like where we can see more about your activist um, things? I'd love to I'd love to have you describe this uh, Super Chefs Against Super Bugs organization, which I have never heard of. Yeah, uh, you know, um, let me because we can look it up here. and we'll, we'll put can... it up on the on the website. Um. It's actually, I think, a group that's that split off of the, you know, the super moms. I think, uh-huh. I think that's what it. Uh, I'll research not, it. Yeah, I think I think it's there. Um, and of course, a place think, at the table. I think he was actually um, uh, coordinating that. Okay. Well, I, I have several friends in the Pew organization, so I'll, I will query them about that. Um, tell us about place at the table. Where can people see that? Well, right now, um, uh, you know, it's a doc, so it doesn't have a long-lasting, you know, uh, on-screen presence. Um, but you can download it um, on demand or on Excellent. iTunes. And we're uh, about to um, start our sort of second round of, of, of uh, distribution. Mm-hmm. And that is actually to community groups and colleges. And, and, and so uh, if you... Um, uh, if you are interested in showing the film to a community group, kind of reach out to us. You can do that through oh, uh, really? uh, through our, our website, uh, Take Part. Um, there's a way to sort of um, create a community screening. And so that's sort of the next round. But it's, it is available on, on iTunes and on demand. Fantastic. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's doing what we thought it was you know, going to do. Again, changing. The idea was to really change the face of hunger. Yes. Um, I think too often we're conditioned to think of hunger as in terms of third world hunger, and and it's changed. It's all around us. One in six Americans are, are food insecure, so it's yeah. all around us. And so being able to identify that and being able to, to empathize with that, I think, is important. Um, and then change the the conversation, uh, especially moving it away from this idea of welfare and, and moving it towards this idea of investment especially when it comes to children, 17 million mm-hmm. children that are food insecure. So if you get this idea that if they're showing up for school hungry, they can't learn. Yeah. And, and so, you know, this is an investment in the future. Uh, when you look at, at, at uh, national security, you know, only 25% of, 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 of uh, people who are showing up to, to join the military service are fit to serve. I know. Obesity. And then, again, understanding that obesity and hunger are, are kind of neighbors. Yes. And, 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 and so... This, you know, we wanted to get that conversation rolling. We wanted to add to the dialogue and, and hopefully um, through those, those little subtle changes in the conversation, get more people um, on both sides of the aisle sort of focusing on it. You know, we did it back in the 70s. We got rid of hunger, and it was, it was yeah. a combination of Dole and McGovern, you know, getting together and creating the, the, the modern safety food network and, 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 and um, our, our safety net and Nixon signing it in, 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 you know, signing that bill. And so, um, you know, it can happen again, but I think we need to, again, change that conversation and get people looking at the, the issue a little differently. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tom, thank you very, very much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Sure. You're a wonderful guest, and I hope you'll come back and join me again soon. Anytime. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been an episode of What Doesn't Kill You, um, and we'll be back next week. Thanks so much for listening, folks, and thanks to my sponsor. So long for now. 
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.